Okay, so what are we drinking? Pinot Grigio from Amazon.com. Yeah, it's called Next. And, uh, I mean, it has a label that seems designed to appeal to hipsters. Yeah, it, it kind of smells like toilet. <laughs> Welcome to the subtweet with Shannon Manu. So what are we drinking? Well, now we're drinking Field Recordings Pet Nat. Which is very nice. And it's not the Amazon wine. So earlier we, we opened that uh, Pinot Grigio Amazon wine. Um, and we just couldn't bring ourselves to drink more of it. The nose was like the sewer. <laughs> or, or the chemicals that you add so that to mask the sewer. Uh, yeah. It wasn't, and the taste was not, yeah. It's, it's just not a good wine. And it's 20 bucks. Um, that's ridiculous. Um, Did you at least get prime free shipping? Well, no, I had to pay nine bucks to ship it from Oregon to California. So I'm a little, I, I feel a Beaten, little... but not because you're not a Prime member. Like, you are a Prime member. Yeah, I am a Prime member. Hell yeah. Um, so I, I feel a little cheated, I must say. Um, well, I think most of the $20 comes from the embossed label yeah, uh, that shows a sort of like artisanal depiction of a winery. With the sun and the rain labeled as sun and rain. Well, the, the, the sun is smiling. <laughs> yeah, and it's embossed. I mean, it's 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 very luscious. And... It's also it's called Pinot Gris, not oh, Pinot yeah. Grigio. Oh, now I get it. Okay, so so they, they really went for the for the sort of the luxe vibe, like the French luxe vibe. Um, okay, so that so that's where that that's why we're paying because the Italians make. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make shitty wine, <laughs> as as is well known. Um, well, I mean, uh, Pinot Gris, Pinot Grigio, whatever. But like, it's northern France, Alsace, Germany. They make they, they make good white wines out of Pinot Grigio. Um, this, on the other, this this is not a good wine. Um, I would it be good as a two chuck? I might buy it as a two chuck. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I guess you will, will to make it to a white wine spritzer. Yeah, with like maybe maybe some fruit. Like maybe you make a sangria out of it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's like a, an office party or something like that. It's, it's, <laughs> if you really hate your coworkers. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> it's it's yeah, but twenty nine bucks? No way. Um, no, no Amazon. No, what were you thinking? Did you even? I mean, I'm kind of wondering if the brand managers who did, like, that wonderful, you know, wonderful sticker and all that stuff, like, did they even taste the wine? Maybe we just got a really bad bottle. That's very possible, too. And, you know, I hate to, to, to nog the vintner because it's hard to make wine. So it's, but that, that's just, yeah. And, and I, if this, I'm, I'm kind of, they also make, like, a, a Cabernet. For Amazon? Yeah. 
Yeah, but well, they have like a whole, you know. I'm not sure if I'm ready to try it yet. Yeah, no, me neither. I mean, yeah. It's King's Vintners from Willamette, Oregon, making wine for Amazon. It's called Mixed, and it's available on Amazon Wine. So if you follow, it's like there's a winemaker, there's a brand on the bottle, and then it's sold by Amazon Wine. And, and you're paying $27 for the branding. Oh, by the way, you know why I got $2 that? for the wine. You know why I got that? Because it was the cheapest bottle. No. <laughs> the camera is like twice the price. <laughs> who are they trying to sell wine to? That's my question. Like, who is Amazon's customer for this? Yeah, that's... Because it's not me. Maybe it's Jeff Bezos? Uh, maybe. Maybe it's like Jeff Bezos' friends? Yeah, but no. This, this because is... there are people who buy expensive wine because it's expensive, not because it tastes good. I, it, it seems like a, a solution in search of a problem. <laughs> it's one of these wines. Like, well, yeah, I can't even imagine Amazon really getting into wine. One, like, why not sell other people's wines and yeah. find a better way to ship wine? Because that's like one of the major problems with yeah, selling there, there, wine. There are people who have been making wars. wines for hundreds of years, and they're actually good at it. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I'm just baffled. Um, I, no, don't buy it, people. Don't. We're buy not it. impressed. Or really, and like, it, it, and honestly, like it wasn't a joke. Like we opened it, we opened the podcast with it, but it wasn't a joke. It really smelled like toilet. Uh, yeah, we were planning to drink this wine throughout the podcast, and it just it, we weren't able to do it. No, it's just it's no go. All right, moving on. Um, so today, besides the wine, we are going to talk about, I was going to say, the, the, the next segment is called LA Law. Um, and we're going to ask Shane... Why I left New York. Yes, at least temporarily. Um, so, so Shane, can you, can you explain to us what, what's, what's the reason you're here and uh, we have this chance to make a podcast together? And uh, what are you doing in LA this summer? So I'm a law clerk, which is the fancy way of saying intern for people who are over the age of 25, uh, at the Federal Public Defender's Office, which is not the regular public defender, but only the public defender for federal crimes, um, which is mostly, mostly crimes that have some sort of interstate connection. You mean drugs? Drugs, <laughs> drugs, guns. There are certain there are certain violent crimes that somehow the federal government has like horned their way into making a crime, even though it's not necessarily interstate. Um, mm. Okay. Fraud, mail fraud, wire fraud. You know, every time you log on to the internet, you're probably violating some federal statute. Ooh, uh, uh, <laughs> come again. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, you just blew my mind. Well, you know, you're probably committing a computer crime by uh, violating the terms of service of Amazon.com because there's probably in the terms of service of Amazon something that says you're not allowed to (laughs) disparage their in-house wine. Um, Well, all these click-through licenses, I'm just, yeah. Do you you ever read them? No, No, absolutely not. Because I know I'm going to violate them. So so you're committing a... Uh, Anyway, but what I should say is that um, 
I'm an intern. I don't speak for the Federal Public Defender's Office, but I've been working there for about two months now, and I'm having a great time. I love the work. So what's a typical day like? Um, so federal, federal crimes, the Federal Public Defender's Office is much less hectic than state or county defen defense. Um, so someone... When you think of a normal public defender, you think of someone with, like, maybe 100 cases at a time and, like, just co constantly going... That sounds like a lot. Constantly going to court. Federal defenders carry more, like, 30 cases. Mm -hmm. And so um, maybe once a month they go to court and they um, pick up new clients at mm -hmm. the initial uh, appearance where they have arraignments. Um, and then otherwise they're... In their offices, doing research on these cases, there are a lot. There's a lot more like formal writing and um, so, so motions. You, so and you write a lot of motions that you submit to the judge or to the chamber. Like yeah, yeah. Though you'll write a motion. At, whereas, like in state court, a lot of times you'll just make your motions orally. In federal court, it's more formal. You make your motions generally and they enter written, the record. and then and they enter the record, and then you will have a formal hearing, and then go argue it orally. Um, so it's just generally more formal than the state court process, and um, more weighty in the sense. Like it's, yeah, yeah. So this is where um, a lot of mandatory they have a lot of mandatory minimums for oh. a lot of the crimes that they charge, and like I mean. Most of the cases I've been working on, clients are looking at 10 years or more in prison. Um, so the cases okay. tend to be serious. They don't have to be. There are some misdemeanors. Federal misdemeanors are mostly, like, either you, like, got some sort of citation on the VA property here in L.A. or you were, like, smoking weed in a national park mm. because it's still not legal federally. Oh, I see. Or you got a DOI in a national park or, like... So if you get a DUI on the freeway, is that a federal crime or is that a state crime? No, that's a state crime. But if you get a, if you are on a highway in highway. the middle oh, of the national forest, then that might be a federal crime. Okay. Interesting. Oh, wow. Um, so when we were preparing the podcast, I, I, I was kind of wondering... Uh, This is a this is a right, correct? Like this is the, the, your right to have an attorney is guaranteed by law. That's Sixth Amendment. So anybody's entitled to a federal defender in case um, you get caught. So, so sort of. What happens is you get arrested. Um, if it's federal, it's probably by like the FBI or the DA, and it's terrifying. Um, and then within 24 hours, you have to appear before a magistrate judge, and mm -hmm. so you will have an attorney. You have the right to an attorney before the magistrate judge. So before you, before that initial appearance, you'll probably get assigned to an attorney either from our office or from a panel of private attorneys who um, basically take the cases that we mm -hmm. can't mm -hmm. because there are not enough attorneys in our office. Um, but those are those are provided paid for by the government okay. for the most part there might be a small fee for you but um then at the initial before the initial appearance you like talk to your attorney and the attorney um has you fill out a financial 
affidavit form. And so then they, like, get a good idea of your finances, and as long as you're, like, a normal person, um, you probably will be appointed an attorney. Um, If the the judge does have some discretion to find that you do, you can pay um, and can um, either force you to pay back the federal defender or force you to get a a private attorney. But for the most part, because federal cases are so serious and go on so long, sometimes people start out with private attorneys and end up with representation by us because they've paid out all of their money in uh, attorney's fees. That's especially... Uh, especially if they've committed or have alleged been alleged to commit some sort of financial crime and their assets are tied up in that. I, 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 I believe everybody knows who we are subtweeting here. <laughs> <laughs> but private attorneys are supposed to be very good, but you were telling me the public defender, like they're top-notch as well, like the federal public defender. Is... Yeah, well, so it's very prestigious mm-hmm. um, for people who want... For people who want to work, well, I don't have a real job with them yet. <laughs> they don't pay me. Um, but for people who want to work, do defense work, um, it's a way to get a ton of work and do a ton of trials and get a lot of good experience. Um, and they do generally pay better than like state and local. So. Yes, they're fantastic lawyers. A lot of them have gone to top law schools, um, have done judicial clerkships. They're, like, really, really fantastic. There's kind of a joke that, um, well, among all public defenders, that it's the best defense money can't buy. <laughs> but but I also, like, I've, I've been to court a lot this summer, and okay. I notice... For one thing, if you don't really know the system well, I know that there's a difference between the federal system and the state system. Mm. People will call private attorneys who maybe have never appeared in federal court before. Uh. And, like, just something as little as, like, not knowing the procedure and not knowing, like, when to stand up or, like, which podium you're supposed to stand at to speak to the judge. Like, that can... It's different in federal and state court? Yeah, so in in federal court... I've never been to court. Federal federal court... (laughs) Let's keep it that way. Yes. Uh, In federal court, there are just like procedures, like you stand up when the judge walks in the room. And in state court, that's not necessarily true. Oh. Um, And I I mean, it's also just like knowing your way around the courtroom and knowing this this podium is for the uh, AUSAs and this podium is for the defense. Mm. Um, And like just having that cultural competency. is helpful for your client I see. Uh, okay. in court. Wow. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's... And imagine if you don't have the cultural competency, like, are you also going to know the federal law that is oh, different goodness. from the state law? Okay. Uh, I mean, of course you can look it up, but if that's something something that you do every you day, then... You don't want to look it up while you're in court, I suppose. <laughs> that's the... Um... For the most part, no. So it's... My understanding is that it's very different. Like the state and the federal thing, the federal court system and the judges and the decorum and the type of jobs you're uh, you're asking to you're asked to work on are very different. And um, sort of, but then again, like the basics of a trial mm. are the same. Okay. The basics of like 
Um, there are not enough resources for everyone to have a trial. So the prosecutors try and plead out people. Hmm. That's like basically the same. Like the, oh. the AUSAs have more resources than a local prosecutor might. But, um, you know, the fact that so a lot of the justice, a lot of justice is transactional. That's what you mean. Like there's yeah, for sure. Interesting. Um, and you can get as a defense attorney. There's a lot of strategy to it. You can get better, hmm. um, better outcomes for your client if you like hold out and say that no, you're going to go to trial. And because oh. because the issue of means is not just on the client side or on the accused side. It's also okay. That's interesting. Yeah, and, like, trial is really kind of a roll of the dice. Like, even mm. if a bit, like even if the prosecutor has a great case, a jury, one one or two jury members mm. could just, just decide they don't like the prosecutor and, like, flip the case. And so, even for federal, the most... Uh, even federal cases. Though. I mean, juries are obviously... That juries are of your peers, so they're all, they're all just, you know, people from the community... Yeah, I okay. That's that's so you like and okay. That's I would say the underlying point is that in both state and federal court, like the government is trying to put people in cages, and defense attorneys are trying to uh, mitigate them that to the best of their ability. You mean they're trying to imprison people? Yes. Okay. That that's for the record start. is what happens. That is. Kind of when you go to prison, they put you in a cage. Oh, oh you mean this is a literal description of what? Okay. Yes. Um, on that note... Just, just in case anyone was <laughs> unaware of my no, no, stance I, on prison. I, 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 um, uh, yeah, okay. On that... <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's a, a useful reminder that uh, we're mildly joking, but actually, uh, this is very serious stuff. Uh, and prison seems to be the preferred way to settle cases in this country. Yeah, might and not be the best. Yeah, it's very it's a very dehumanizing experience. I actually just went. We took a tour of the jail. So is it the county jail downtown? No, it's the federal jail downtown. The federal jail, yeah. Cause um, which is what they call an administrative facility, which is where mostly it's people who have not been convicted of anything but are being held because they don't have bail resources or the judge didn't let them out on bail. So these are people who are, under the eyes of the law, presumed innocent, and they're but held there. But can pay their way out of the administrative facility? That's yes. For the for the most part, there there's also a danger element which we can quibble about. But um, and for for whatever reason, they are not out on bail. Um, mm. They're held in this facility, and we took a tour, and they're just they're referred to as bodies. There are certain there are feeding times. They're just like they, there's an overhaul overall dehumanization that yeah. I feel like is a civil rights disaster. So you, so you, so you, that, was that your first uh, trip to a, to that kind of facility? No. I actually, um, I've been to Rikers before. Okay. Let me tell you, federal, this federal jail in LA, much nicer than Rikers. But right. still, but that's like, 
uh, on a scale of like one to human, Rikers is a one, and this is a two. You know? Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the, you mean the, the 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 actual process and systems are the same. The way they're implemented are less extreme. Something like that. Um, yeah. We're still in Foucault's world, basically. Yeah. Okay, that's 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 harsh. Um, that's the reality of the world we live in, and yeah. Yeah, okay. I don't. But Thank but you. so <laughs> no, but like I got I got kind no, of no, I've been laughing and all that stuff, but actually, I mean, this, this is something that's very dear to my heart, and yeah. I mean. I, I kind of got interested in this when I was writing about economics and finance and mm. there's so much talk about like throwing bankers in prison and like the the just like great moral disaster that we didn't throw enough bankers in prison okay after the financial crisis and i think that the financial crisis was a national disaster a global disaster really um but i think a lot of the causes are were systemic mm. you can't throw the system in prison and i just don't Like, I fundamentally don't think that... Prison is a solution. Prison is the solution, and I think that there is a better solution, and... I, okay, so I think that... And so the problem is not that we didn't throw bankers in prison, it's that we didn't... There were no other consequences for them. But we also... I think part of the slogan, or the sloganeering about this, or the outrage that was, you know, underneath that, was that we were... Putting people in prisons that probably did not deserve to be there for petty crimes or, you know, nonviolent smoking weed and you get a mandatory three, five years. But even, even violent no, crimes where, like, someone had a gun during a robbery, even if it never went off, even yeah. it never, like, even, like, even if they had a right to that, have that gun... Even if they have a license, but they have a felony conviction, or like, like there's just such a double standard no, I, on the I, Second I, Amendment. <laughs> yeah, um, but, but but to your point, what, what I think you're trying to say, if I understand correctly, is prison is not a good solution for most problems in society, or for retribution, or for redress, uh, right. whether it's financial or. I, I, I'm like 100% in agreement with that. I, I'm one of the few people out there who believe in restorative justice and the work of people who are trying to get communities together and you know, uh, work it out uh, in a way that's different from carceral um, but, solutions. Because you're not actually helping society by throw, throwing people in prison, right? Like, because they're not, they're, not, they're not generally getting education. They're not reforming themselves if they ever had a problem to begin with, but mm. they're not necessarily getting mental health care. Mm. They're not getting physical health care. They're, they're not coming out of prison a better member of society. They're just being removed from society. Mm. No, I, I, I'm, I'm personally, I, I, yeah, I find prison extremely problematic. Um, as you say, you know, you can't put the system in prison.
Moving on. Another topic. Oh, that was that was intense. Um, now we have an equally intense discussion on hugging versus kissing. So this is a this is about cultural norms, I suppose. Um, one of the things that really surprises me and and makes me really uncomfortable is like I end up hugging strangers all the time in this country, all the time, like women, men, and all that. I, I People I don't know, and I share sweat with them, and I find this very—it's a very strange custom. Hugging, hugging is an incredibly. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's an incredibly uh, intimate. It is act much more than kissing. I mean, it depends what kind. Of, okay, it depends on what kind of kissing, but <laughs> the the sort of like "hello, how are you?" kissing that you encounter in a lot of older, other cultures. Yes, uh, uh, we're not talking about the socialist fraternal embrace. Uh, what is the socialist fraternal embrace? Well, it's 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 the kiss on the mouth from the leader of one party to a, a another. Is there leader. any tongue in? Nobody ever asked, but it, but it seemed that it was pretty much open mouth. Like you, you have these images of of uh, Brezhnev like passionately kissing Honecker, you know, the the head of East Germany. So you're like, yeah, but that's the fraternal embrace, socialist fraternal embrace. Um, Gay so, communist Twitter is going to be all over this. Thing is, as intimate in a way, you know, and. Especially if you don't know the person, like, uh, do you, I mean, it's really it's touching almost every part of your body to another yeah. person. Like, like I'm I, I'm not, you know, as a French person, I I get to bump chest to chest with them. <laughs> I, no, no, but I have to say it. Like, this is very strange, and 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 besides, it's it's even stranger because Americans usually are very uh, uh, mindful of their personal space. Um, in, in a way that we French, you know, sort of don't are not necessarily as um, concerned about this. Um, it's okay to hug, but speaking to one another like very close, like is not okay at all. Um, and so this is something that I find very strange. And I wonder, you know, it's creepy. <laughs> Wait, why is it creepy? I mean, I, I like what about the awkward hug, like the lingering hug, like. The guy you don't know at the office, or you kind of know, but... No, you can't... Okay. Even in America, you can't hug people at the office. You what? shouldn't hug people at the office. But it happens all the time. I, I don't hug people at the office. Okay. At, at the public defenders. Like, okay. Fair, no. Fair enough. Did you hug people at Huffington Post? Only not, the people you knew? Not regularly, no. Even those people, not regularly. Maybe, maybe like on my last day. Okay. Huh. So, so the hug is for people you kind of know. Not in the, but it's, it's prohibited in a professional context. Yes. Okay. I would say the, prof- the professional, the professional greeting is a handshake. That makes sense. Um, but I would say that if I went out, say, to drinks with coworkers, I would probably hug them goodbye. Okay. Oh, so it's for goodbyes. I, it is more, it can be a hello thing, but it's more of a goodbye thing. Okay, so what about the half hug? Or the side hug, or what you might call it? Like the, the, the one where you kind of hug, but you don't hug? Like That's just for awkward situations. 
And guys on guys, like, so guys will hug. Okay, will guys hugs and women hug together, but, like, intersex hug is not, it's kind of weird? Is that the... A little bit. I, I would say it depends on what your relationship is, but I'm more comfortable hugging a woman who I don't know that well or who I just met mm. than a man. But for instance, I've been I've been in situations where like maybe it's a group situation and I'm meeting several friends of a friend, and then if there 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 are like different levels of intimacy between I've met somebody three times and this person I met only the first time for the first time, and then like once you've hugged three people out of four, then you just have to go for the fourth one. Yeah, yeah, because then it, because you would be excluding that person from the group thing. Yeah, right? like yeah. You're not part of the, yeah. I was recently in France. I brought my, my kid with me along, and my kid is growing up in the United States. And you so, sound very upset about that. No. I, uh, <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 but it's, it's so, so we see his grandfather is there, and, you know, we're, we're greeting him, and, you know, actually we're, we're like, bidding him goodbye because we just spent a couple hours at the cafe with him. And, and my kid was, like, he was hugging it. He's nine years old. He's hugging his <laughs> grandfather, and my gra- and my dad is like, "Come on, man, give me a kiss." And that was awkward. I thought that that, that was kind of awkward. Um, my dad, you know, well, I mean, he's a Mediterranean guy, and so he kisses everybody, anyways. But you know, he, he was a little miffed. Um, he's like, "Come on, give me a kiss." And, uh, yeah, so, so... Wait, I, did, did he, did Lazar not give him a kiss? Was he weirded out by the kiss? Yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of a, um... So, like, it's a full cultural disconnect. Well, it was kind of coy about it. And then, you know, I asked him, and, and, and so, I'm like, so what do you do with your friends? And it's like, oh, yeah, we hug. But only my good friends. And then I was like, do you, do you hug with girls? It's like, uh, we're not at that point yet. <laughs> I think that's really funny because I think I've tried to hug him and he's very awkward about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I, but he's, you know, he's nine. That's, that's, he's, nine. What he's figuring mean. it out. Yes. But like, no, and so he will give us kisses, like his parents. Mm-hmm. So parents, parents are a, different. Parents are different. Like, you, you give kisses. Because, okay, parents are different. With friends, I, with my French friends, male or female, it's a kiss on each cheek, regardless. And so it's like parents and children here. Um, and when I, you know, when I, I sort of do the hugging, they're like, what the fuck are you doing, man? It's, it's just like, oh, you're so American now. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah, so so we do kiss. Um, I noticed, by the way, that, that Americans, once when they're abroad, they adopt that that oh yeah custom. Um, Last weekend, I was in Boise for a bike race, and I saw a Colombian bike racer who I know fairly well. And like, he hugged my mom, but he kissed me, and I just went 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 with it that's on the cool. cheek. That's cool. Yeah, well, that, that makes it's Colombian. I mean, that's what you do down there. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's not. And I find I find that I like I find it endearing, and I find it. Like when I think about it deeply, less less creepy than, than hugging, actually. 
Which, <laughs> okay, so... But I'm so used to hugging that I just, I do it anyway. <laughs> well, me too. I, I get, I, I, I try to do the, the side hug with the, the fist bump. I, I, that's, <laughs> I, I think the fist bump solves every problem in that sense, because you're sort of like, your hip, but you can, you can keep to yourself. Uh-huh, yeah, okay. And, 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 and it's con- not considered offensive. I hope. Um, no. Yeah, I, I. But this is this is a lifelong problem: the hugging versus kissing. Like I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to solve it. Um, in France, at least, it's very clear. You know, this is what you do: one and one. Um, those who do two and two are, are you know, they're they're from the provinces. Uh, that's that's. But so it comes. It, it, it ultimately comes, comes back to it being a class issue. <laughs> Is it in the U.S. though? Like, would you, would you, would you hug somebody? Um, no, I don't. I don't think so. I think it's pretty. That the hug is fairly. The hug is democratic. It's a little bit democratic. Huh. Whereas the but maybe kid... who you hug, who you're comfortable hugging, might be a class or race issue. Sort of tracking who's who's the wokest of uh, Macron or Trudeau. Um, so Shane, what's your take? Well, well, Trudeau has the socks. The rainbow eats socks. They're they're amazing. Uh, which would definitely we decided purchased by his PR person, right? You can find them at alalsocks.com, right? <laughs> yes, like which I have a problem with alalsocks.com <laughs> only selling men's socks. Did you? As far as I could tell. Oh my god! Okay. But you know, whatever. Not, not judging. Hey, well, I am judging. If you're but... listening to us, I love socks. Like, come on, guys. Yeah, I want, I want some socks, man. Yeah. Although, okay, you, you could make also the case that socks are pretty much unisex. I mean... Men's socks tend to be longer, and so they like hit a woman's calf before they're supposed to, and so then they get like scrunchy. And anyway, okay. says we're really getting off topic. <laughs> let's let's go to macaron. <laughs> Um, I see a lot of performance of wokeness from Trudeau that I don't really see from Macron. But does he need to? You mean because he's sort of a... Like, I feel like that's just Trudeau's, like, personal brand. Macron doesn't really need to. Like, he came in as, like, the finance guy, right? The, like, professional... Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think there's a there's a there's a somewhat um, distorted perspective about Macron in the U.S. Like, yeah, the finance guy and all that. But in truth, I only I get my political news from Chapo. So <laughs> he was told early on in his career by one of the elders of the French establishment that if he wanted to be a politician, he needed to have his own money. So what Macron did was he went to Rothschild uh, for two years and made several millions. But, you know, it's a pittance compared to what people make in the U.S. in the same type of... And he Mm -hmm. would joke about the fact that he was prostituting himself. Uh, And after being independently well... That's that's woke. I mean, yeah. And, you know, he would joke about it, apparently. Um, He still did it. But originally, he went to um, 
went to one of these French grands écoles, and he was the uh, the personal secretary of Paul Ricoeur, a very famous philosopher. Um, Macron always wanted to be a novelist, and uh, and, and this, but he's also like sort of um, he doesn't have the the pedigree that Trudeau does, right? Because no. like Trudeau is woke, but he also is like he's the, the son, son of. of yeah. But he went to Montessori, you know. I mean, it's sort of it's. Like Macron went to the Jesuits, is the son of a, you know, dentist, right? <laughs> you know, from, from like a nice town in the north of France, where yeah. Um, but so, I think culturally that translates. To oh yeah, here. Macron is like he's out of a Flaubert novel. I mean, you know, he's like the yeah the son of the dentist from the north who, you know, becomes president. I mean, it was he's probably smart, but he has to he's. Whereas Trudeau is in the performance of the wokeness, Macron is always in the performance of how smart he is. Um, somehow he has to show off, or he has, he has to prove that he's worthy of all the hopes that were uh, invested in him. Um, and to he's, me, yeah. he's doing that by reaching out to Donald Trump. Yeah, that's sorry. We weren't going to talk about him. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a Trump term. Sorry, zone. I can't. I can't help myself. Um, you know, he, he sort of uh, he went on the on the submarine, and there's this picture of him like in in full flight suit. You know, he's he's sort of a uh, he calls himself Jupiter. That's not a joke. Um, so he's trying to prove himself. Yes, as whereas a Trudeau, leader, as whereas Trudeau yeah. is, or he takes that as a given, yeah. and then can move on to performing. Yes, and, and 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 being a Star Wars fan and being the best dad in the world and and yeah, being the dad that his dad wasn't. Being the hot hot Canadian yeah. leader. Yeah, like um, I I constantly see these stories about like Justin Trudeau, you know, like um, photo bombs this or that, or you know. Like in his kayak. Oh yeah, he, he yeah, kayaked yeah, he, up to somebody. Yeah, I mean it's like you, Macron wouldn't do that. Macron would not. I mean, he would, he, he would he would arrive in like the Air Force plane. Yeah, or you know he would come in and he would like say a few um, witty words or something like like he's he's it he would be more aloof, I guess. Um, he's 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 a he's a guy who thinks too much. And talks too much. He's like, Same. He, 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 no, but like Macron said, you know, there's this tradition in France where on the on the 14th of July, the president will give like an interview to like three, like three or four journalists and all that. And it's not a press conference; it's more like a sit down thing. And Macron was like, basically, I'm not going to do it. And he let it be known that his thinking was too subtle to come across on TV. They're like, hmm, okay. it's ironic. I mean, he's he's Jupiter. Um, and then, now, policy-wise, it's 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 more like a soup, of, uh, not much. Um, so, you know, the the hate that he gets from the American socialists is kind of funny because it's probably uh, more about the narrative here than who Macron is and what he can do to France and with France with French institutions, which are pretty much unwieldy and. Um, not very, very geared for fast change. Um, I, I don't think Macron is going to do much, and that, that's that's probably that's better than the alternative, right? Yes. 
I mean, it depends which alternative. Uh, but if it were Le Pen, yes. But even Le Pen probably would not have been able to do much. Um, but it would have been kind of a freak show. Um, but again, this is a Trump-free zone. So um, I, I wonder, do you, do you think Macron... I personally, I prefer Trudeau. I I, I find Justin just just so much more approachable. Um, at least he's better at the performance. Um, yes, but I I feel like I don't trust the performance. Oh, you've been there. Huh? I I almost like prefer the the guy who's just like I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna participate in the. I know what the performance is, and I'm not going to Isn't that the buy next into stage? that. Isn't that the next stage for Trudeau? So, I'm retiring from uh, woke pictures of myself. I think he likes it too much. Like he gets. Oh, you think he, he gets off of it? Huh? A little bit, yeah. Huh. But and I don't know. Either I like both of them kind of work for me. Mm. Both of them have their problems, but. What do you think of Macron and his wife? I was a very young child when Monica Lewinsky happened. Oh. And I have grown up believing that it's none of my business what a president does with his sex life. It's fantastic. That, that, that is, that if I'm going to elect you president, I should be able to trust you to... Yeah, to, but, uh, to do to to have your personal life and mm. separate that from so so the interesting part about the the public the life Macron and his wife was that the rumor that was you know being pushed by during the campaign by RT and the Russians and the National Front was that she was a beard. Well, in that case, it was just. I mean, me, I'm like, come out, so, man. So, yes, I mean, I don't, so, I don't care. I don't like, care. Well, yeah, me neither. Um, maybe I don't care. But like, that was yeah. the sort of, and it was viewed as a bad thing. As this a, is it is a people, people that have like weird moral stances on sex also care way too much about it. Just like. No, it's not my. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care either. But you Whatever think it makes you okay, happy. But, they seem happy. Is I guess my. So, so is it woke in the sense that they're like, screw it, we're just going to get married regardless and we're happy I think together. so. And there's like a certain gender reversal, gender role reversal. Oh, yeah, you mean because that, usually it's the other way around, right? Yeah, that, that I appreciate. He's a strange guy. Like, now he's the president and all that stuff, but during the campaign, all that, he would give his speeches and his eyes would pop out and he, he looked like he was... He was possessed by something, and it was very strange. Uh, no, but like, it, it, what was strange is like the passion that exuded from him, and but the passion was for. It's like imagine like some guy you know doing a Vox article with passion. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, <laughs> then, then it's like, I could name names, but I'm not. No, going no, to. no, no. Like I, I love Vox, but but you see what I'm saying? Like yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. sort of like super wonkish. Little points, but said. Yeah, I think with... that's why I like him because that is me. I used to, you know, I read, I wrote for Reuters with passion. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, it's strange. It's, it's a strange combo. It's a strange combo. I, I 
I still find Justin just more exciting. It's maybe it's because I I know Macron. I know the the type of guy he is because I grew up with these very bright people and achievers. And, and no, I mean this is typically French, and I'm not one of them. So, but but I grew up with them. So I I sort of I look at that with awe. This, 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 it, if I hadn't done that many drugs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but then I would have hated myself, so it's a different thing. Yeah. But it, 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 it has this sense of, you know, yeah, okay, I knew this guy in high school. Um, yeah. It's, it's, he's innocuous. He's, he's, he's not a... He's, he's, he's innocuous. Whereas Justin, ah. He could do some really evil shit under the guise of his wokeness. That would be kind of interesting. I mean, it would be dreadful, but in a way, that would be more interesting, right? That, like, actually, well, well, you know, he's, he's, he's like, not done great cool. things on indigenous populations. No, exactly, and, he, and he's pretty Canada. cozy with the uh, uh, oil industry in the old sense. I guess you have to be when you're Canada's prime minister, because that's you know a main part of the economy. But he's sort of uh, yeah. Well, maybe he's like the typical liberal, you know. Um, very tolerant of people like him. Um, so, last weekend I was uh, at a bike race, which is just to say I was like sitting around outside, a bunch of other people around, and I saw these children sort of like playing, and this one girl had a sketchbook, and she opened her sketchbook. And I could see that she was drawing a bunch of different potential iPhone lock screens, like different animals. She was drawing different animals, but they were like in the context of a framework of an iPhone lock screen. <laughs> These were the animals that were going to be on her iPhone lock screen. Wow. Once she got to an age where her mom was going to let her have an iPhone. Wow. Well, yeah, it's, what's the appropriate age to get a phone? Um, Does your son have a phone? Hell No. Um, but he's asking. That's, yeah. The the school doesn't permit it until, like, I don't know, seventh grade or something. But some of his friends in, in class do have phones. And because their parents need to contact them every once in a while. And they're the most popular kids in the class. <laughs> well, yeah, because, you know, at recess, they can play games. It's, it, I don't understand. I mean, I do understand. Actually, I do, and that's what terrifies me. Um, maybe, maybe you know, it's an opportunity. Being phoneless is an opportunity to model a different character in front of my son. Where you know, yeah, I can do this. I can live without a phone for three days. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> my, my my kid makes fun of me for being too much on the phone. So. Maybe this is a, maybe, I want to believe that this is an opportunity to become a better person. We'll check back with you next time. All right. Thank you for listening to The Subtweet. Follow us on Twitter, at Subtweet Podcast. 